Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ, and I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we open God's Word and learn how to serve and honor and glorify Him, drawing closer to Him. The lesson that you're about to hear was presented by one of the brethren here at the Franklin Church, Rusty Doom. He wanted us to understand a lesson in types. You will be opening your Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 17 through 19 to start our lesson this morning. It's been very good for us to be here this morning. We've been able to come together with Christians of like precious faith, to study from God's Word, to approach His throne in prayer, sing praises to His name, to remember the great sacrifice of the Son. And now we have another opportunity to study from His Word. And I'd like to encourage everyone to take out the Bible and to follow along and look at the verses that we're going to talk about for two reasons. First, that's what we should be doing because we're children of God and we should want to know what God has to say and want to know what He has in mind for us to do. And second of all, because typically I'm like you sitting in the audience. And it would be a safeguard for you to follow along to make certain that the things that I present come from His Word, for certainly that's our intention this morning. In Hebrews chapter 11, begin reading verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he, was, he who had received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, and Isaac, your descendant, shall be called. Verse 19, he considered that God is able to raise men, even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. This is a very familiar story. The original text of the story is found in Genesis chapter 22. We all remember it, but looking back at the text in Genesis chapter 22, let's draw a few points that gives us some insight on what a great faith Abraham had. In verse 2, in Genesis chapter 22, God told Moses, I'm sorry, God told Abraham to go and offer Isaac as a burnt offering. In the text, we don't have any sign that Abraham questioned at all. Verse 2 says he told him, Abraham began to prepare to go and do what God said. In verse 5, Abraham is traveling to the, to the mountain where he's going to sacrifice his son. And he tells the men that are traveling with him, the young men that came with them, he tells them to stay here. And the verse says, I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship God and return to you. Another expression of Abraham's faith. He's been told by God that he has to sacrifice his son. And in traveling and going about to do that, he tells those, those traveling with him to stop and wait here. We're going to go worship God and we're going to return. He fully expects to be able to bring his son back with him. And in the text that we read in the Hebrew letter, Look again at verse 19. The verse says, He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead. 
This gives us even more insight into the thought pattern of Abraham. He had such great faith in God that he didn't question his commands. And yet, you know, Abraham knew. Remember back in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was given a threefold promise. Promise that all, uh, you know, of land, seed, and nation. And he knew that Isaac was the descendant through which this would be performed, through which this would come about. And yet, he didn't question God's command. He understood that God was all-powerful and had certainly had the ability, if he asked him to sacrifice his son, that he could raise him from the dead and continue to answer and fulfill the promises that he had made Abraham. Now look at the last phrase in that passage in verse 19. It says, from which he also received him back as a type. Well, we asked the question this morning, what does this phrase mean? What does it mean to receive him back as a type? And today, that's what we want to look at. We want to look at some things in Scripture about types and define it and understand this teaching tool that God uses in Scripture. On the board, we have the Greek word, from which we get the word type that we use in our, in, in, in our daily language. It's the word typos. And the definition is a blow, an impression, an image, a model. And, and you'll notice on the screen, you know, I had to look a long time in clip art to find a typewriter. I mean, many of the young people in the audience won't know what this is. But before computers, this is what we use to create nice-looking papers and, and letters. And we all understand how it works. But what a perfect example to help us understand the word. If you press the button for A, that symbol is going to come up, hit that ribbon, and press that symbol onto the page. So we understand what it means, a blow, an impression, an image, something that represents something else. Now, if you're looking at this passage in the King James Version, I believe, it uses the word figure instead of type. Well... Vines defines, also uses this word figure and defines that it's from a Greek word, parabola. Para means to, uh, to it means decide. Boli, the, the, the suffix of the word, means to throw. So literally to throw beside. As if you're throwing something down beside something else to compare it. Okay? So when we put these two thoughts together in our word this morning, we come up with the second phrase that I have on the board. And it's something that I think will help us in our, in our study today if we look at it from this standpoint. When we look at types and how they're used in Scripture, a type is simply a symbolic representation of something yet to come. So with, with that in mind, let's go back to our question. How was Isaac received back by Abraham as a type? Well, how was Isaac described? in Hebrews there. And also if you go back into Genesis and read the text there. Well, he's described as an only begotten son, as the son of promise, we talked about a minute ago. He was also described as one that was being offered up to die. And those those features, those characteristics, just jump right off the page at us. I mean, we automatically think of Jesus, who we just remembered in, 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 the, in the partaking of the Lord's Supper as these characteristics are also similar to what Jesus is. 
So what we want to do this morning is we want to take these things in mind and we want to continue looking at two or three other passages that talk about types and see what lessons we can come away from there. Um, turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to read the first 13 verses. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as an example for us, that we should not crave evil things, as they also craved. And do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. No, let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. No, let us try the Lord as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. And then verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which, that you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. Let's look at some of the points in this text. In verses 1 and 2, it tells us of the time when the Israelites were led out of Egypt. And it, it points to the fact that as they came up to the Red Sea and God separated the sea and they walked through on dry ground, they were surrounded by water. They were led by the cloud, they came under the cloud, and they had water on both sides. So what they went through was they received their salvation through a type of baptism. Now, as the text goes on here, and as we recall, in verse 5, it says that, that most of them did not please God. And it says that they were laid low in the wilderness. Many of them died in the wilderness because of the way they followed or failed to follow God at times. In verses 6 through 9, it tells us that these things happen. It's not just a story. But these things happen and are recorded for us so that we won't make those same mistakes. So that we won't crave the same evil things that they did. That we won't succumb to idolatry or immorality. Or we won't be guilty of trying the Lord. And then verses 11 through 13 give us some comfort. We also see another warning. Take heed lest you fall. 
But verse 13, read that again, because we should, we should draw great comfort from this. No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. You're not going to face anything different in the grand scheme of things than anybody else has on this earth. There may be certain things that you go through that maybe the next person doesn't, but the temptations are all going to be the same thing. They're all going to be something that someone else has had to deal with. Remember, God is faithful. The song that we sang before uh, the lesson this, this morning has that same thought in it. We think of the word faithful and we think of us having to respond to God's will and being faithful to that. And certainly that's correct. But God is also faithful in that we can entrust in Him to take care of us to do the things that He says He's going to do. He will simply obey Him. And here we see an example of it. God is faithful. He will not allow us to face a temptation that we can't handle if we put our trust and faith in Him, and that we will certainly be able to endure it. Now, in the text in verse 9, it talks about trying the Lord. And it says that they were being destroyed by serpents. Turn back to Numbers chapter 21. I'm going to read a few verses from that account. We've got it also up here on the board for you. See that. Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Eden. And the people became impatient because of the journey. And the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? And there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and he bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard, and it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. The children of Israel... Through impatience. This is just amazing to me. But they had they had the gall to say, Why did you take us out of Egypt? We were having such a great time there. They were just they were, they were they just had a horrible situation there. And God pulls them from that. And then they start to ask, Why have you taken us from there to bring us out here to die? And boy, this food's horrible. They grew impatient, and they turned from God. And what does God do? God punishes them. He sends serpents into the camp. And if they were bitten by these serpents, they died. They didn't like that much. 
But it appears that in our text, it appears that they repented because they came and said, we have sinned in verse 7. And so God told Moses, keep going back to Moses, we're talking about Abraham. God told, um, well, we are talking about Moses here, aren't we? God told Moses to raise this serpent up, fashion this serpent out of bronze, raise it up on a standard, and if, you're, if, if any of the people are bitten, all they have to do is look at this serpent and they'll live. So the people repented and Moses interceded. The fiery serpent was put up and if they were bitten, they looked at it and they lived. Turn over to John, the third chapter. We're going to look at verses 10 through 15. Now, in this text, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. And Jesus, in verse 3, is telling him that he has to be born again. In verses 4 and 9, Nicodemus doesn't understand. He's thinking, how can I enter the womb again? He just doesn't understand. He thinks it's talking about a fleshly birth, not a spiritual birth. Now look at verse, uh, verse 10 and follow. And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which we know and bear witness of that which we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him have eternal life. This is an interesting passage. Jesus is speaking to a teacher of, the, of Israel. He asked the question in verse 10, Are you a teacher of Israel? Don't you understand? Have you not been paying attention to the things that are found in the Old Testament? The things that happened there. And he says, How are you going to grasp heavenly things if I can't get you to understand physical things. And then he brings up the passage that we just read in Numbers, the things that happened. And he makes this comparison of just as Moses raised up this serpent, even so the Son of Man must, do, must undergo the same thing. Now look at the comparison between Numbers, the events in Numbers, and what John talks about here. This bronze serpent is a type of Christ. The very thing sent into the camp of Israel to destroy it became their salvation from death. The very person that the Jews would not accept, that they ultimately put to death, was sent there for their salvation. So this morning we've talked about 
these two examples of types. And we've seen the comparison between Isaac and Jesus. And we've seen the comparison between the bronze serpent and Jesus. How Isaac was the only begotten son, son of promise, was the one offered up to die and then was returned to his father. And we know those same, same things happened with Jesus, the only begotten son of our father, son of promise, offered up to die, ascended from heaven. And we see the same characteristics, similar characteristics between the serpent and Jesus in that the serpent fashioned by God, for he told Moses how to build that serpent. And that it was raised up for all to see in that camp so that if they were bitten by the snakes, they could look upon this bronze serpent and not die. Christ, in much the same sense as fashioned by God, is God. He was also raised up on the standard for all to see. Not just the Jews in that day, but for all of us to see as well through the preservation of the Word, through our faith in what the Scriptures show us. And He also brought about salvation. Salvation from our spiritual death. Salvation from our sins. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. Got that also on the board as well. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Paul here writes, Therefore let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. This really fits in well with what we've been talking about today. The fact that the substance belongs to Christ. A shadow of things to come. A symbolic representation of something yet to come. To drive this home, let's look at Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. This is another familiar account to us all of where Jesus is transfigured. And the text there says, And six days later Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them to, up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white. There's no wanderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For we did not know what to answer, for he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, listen to him. And all at once, they looked around and they saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. Look at what happened in this setting. Jesus' outward appearance changed. It changed to where it says that his garments became radiant, exceedingly white. No longer on earth can whiten them. And then they see Jesus talking to Elijah and to Moses. And Peter jumps out like he does a lot 
and he wants to make three tabernacles so that they can worship all three of these great men of faith. But a cloud, out of, out of a cloud, God speaks. And he says to them, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then look what happens. As soon as, that is, as, soon as God says that, they look around and they saw no one except Jesus. The substance belongs to the Lord. Go ahead and pull out your songbook and open them to the invitation song that you selected. We have a few final thoughts and comments and then the lesson will be yours. As we've mentioned today, types can be a very powerful teaching tool. But for it to be a teaching tool, our faith has to be correct. Our faith has to recognize that what we're told in Scripture is just not a story. It's a record of things that happened. Remember we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6, now these things happened as examples for us that we should not crave evil things as they craved them. These things are recorded so that we can learn from their mistakes. And that's not the only place that we're told that. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 1, the beginning of that, of that chapter there, it says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Two chapters later, in chapter 4, he says, Therefore let us fear while a promise remains of entering his rest. Any one of you should seem to come short of it. We have to take great pains to make certain that we don't do the same thing that the children of Israel did with God's Word. These warnings are given to us so that we can know and understand what our purpose here is here while we're on earth. And that purpose is to submit ourselves to God's will through obedience to His instruction, confessing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and being willing to submit ourselves to be baptized for the remission of our sins. In Second Peter, in the third chapter, it talks about how we need to regard the patience of the Lord as our salvation. We don't know how much time we're given on this earth. We're not promised any more time than what we have right now. If you haven't obeyed the gospel... There's no better time than that. Submit to our Lord in baptism. If you've done that, but you've, you've stumbled, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus, the one who died on the cross for us, our high priest, is waiting there 
is currently interceding on our behalf to God. If we fail to live our lives as we should, in submission to God's will, all we have to do is make that known. Pray to God for forgiveness. Pray to God through His Son, and it will be forgiven. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, we'd encourage you to come together. Come now as we stand and sing. I certainly hope this lesson has been beneficial to you and helped you understand the Word of God a little better, understanding its unified and consistent message. If you have any questions about the Bible, about types in the Bible, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this lesson on CD or on audio tape. If that's the case, may I encourage you to go to that website I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there, both in outline and audio format, that you're free to download and use in any way that you believe will glorify God and help people draw closer to Him. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.